The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, Episode 83. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make yourself. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Voyager episode, Ex Post Facto. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thank you. Folks, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube, where our, our YouTube channel, at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. So this is a, another first season uh, Voyager episode. It uh, w- In another one, that's the second one, that has a Latin title, Ex Post Facto. Ooh. What is Ex Post Facto? From Ep- After the Fact. It's a, it's a legal term, yeah. uh, meaning you can't be... Uh, well, how- what it means in real in real law, it, 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 you're c- here in America. You're not allowed yeah. to pass ex post facto laws, so you're not allowed to criminalize something after it's been done. Okay, so if right. someone does something, you then can't pass a law against it and prosecute them for it. You can pass right. a law criminalizing something, but mm-hmm. you can only prosecute violations of that law going forward, not retroactively. Right in Cardassian law, you could be convicted. Uh, and found guilty of the law, even if you don't know it's been passed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here we have uh, a a typical TV trope: the uh, the character who's wrongfully convicted of a crime, although it seems like an airtight case at trial. Okay, this is that sort of the this is a, a long standing tr- tradition mm-hmm. throughout all of TV. And this is basically sci fi film noir. That's right. the aesthetic they're going for, consciously so. And I mean, the, the producers, yeah. the writers. Talk about that they wanted to make this a Raymond Chandler-esque. In fact, at one point, they thought about doing it all in black and white, mm-hmm. which, I, I don't know, it's, the it's really gimmicky. The for Star Trek. Yeah, it's Though eventually they do have an episode that has some black and white in it, in the holog- holodeck. Bride so. of Chaotica. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get to see that later on. Uh, I, I have thoughts about that when we talk about that episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Uh, but what we have here is Tom Paris has been convicted of murder on this planet that he visited, uh, and they have, as punishment, they, they've replaced capital punishment with this technology that makes you relive the crime through the eyes of your victim every 14 hours for the rest and, of your life. And that's part of how he was convicted. They can tap the memories of dead people, apparently. And so they have this video from the dead man's memory of Tom killing him uh, right. from this first-person perspective. So you see Tom coming towards the camera, and then he stabs the cameraman, and then the cameraman falls over. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so that's the con- crushing conclusive evidence against him. 
Right. Tom was caught uh, in flagrante delicto with a with another man's wife, which which we find as an audience we find it believable because Tom is you know a a, a cad, shall we say, yeah. at this point it's, in his development. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, it also this is interesting. So I, I this episode was not as bad as I remembered. You know, I remember <laughs> not not liking it, but actually at this time through, it's like you know this is okay. I mean, it's not great, but it's 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 pleasant. I like them doing a film noir riff. Uh, I like that kind of genre bending. I also like the fact it didn't have a, a resolution that involves talking dramatically over consoles. <laughs> and, it, and even though we're dealing with an alien criminal justice system, we don't have preaching mm-hmm. about alien criminal justice systems and how Federation morality triumphs over some alien star chamber horror right. thing yeah there almost seems to be an, a, an appreciation on the part of the federation for this act that or this this uh punishment the punishment yeah even if it you know there's the concerns obviously about tom paris's Whether, mental health because of it right. but they they still it's almost like they appreciate it because the other option was lethal injection and of course that you know federation can't authorize that yeah and so this is really more a straightforward mystery yeah, doesn't have the preaching. Yeah. It doesn't have the techno babble over consoles at the end. It's just a straightforward mystery. And I like that. It is similar to other episodes we've seen. There is the TNG episode, A Matter of Perspective, where we have Riker does Rashomon, where he also is thought to be womanizing another man's wife who then ends up dead. Right. There is a, the DS9 episode, Hard Time, where O'Brien is made to suffer some phenomenally long amount of punishment in, mentally rather than physically. And there's the TNG episode, The Drumhead, where you have information being smuggled in someone biologically. And here we have information being smuggled in someone in the memories that Tom Paris yep. is reliving. I like the fact that they leave that that clue in plain sight, yeah. but unintelligible to us right. uh and then reveal it at the end i i think that i thought that was actually kind of a clever idea was leave the leave the the final conclusive evidence in plain sight of the audience well yeah. and, uh, and, the and they do through. it in such a way so that we make the same assumption that tom paris did was that this item was just a part of the whole process that right it was expected you would see those symbols at the bottom of, of the screen of the bottom of his vision and that's a part of the memories part of the whole thing and he never asks about it he like it because he assumes it's there for a reason so he never asks anyone about the these symbols that he sees which is again very interesting yeah Um, also also we have a reference to sherlock holmes that's implicit here yep when the when the scientist who's embedded the information in the memories is revealed at the end it's revealed because a dog knows him and yep. doesn't bark. And that's the dog that didn't bark is the is the revealing clue in the Sherlock Holmes story, Silver Blaze, which right. is about the theft of a horse and the death of its owner. And it's eventually revealed that uh, it was the owner himself that took the horse out because the dog knew his owner and didn't bark during the night as a result. Right. Which gives us the phrase, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, which then led to a play of the same, yeah, that's a phrase? The same name. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, the, mm. I mean, you, I've seen that used literarily oh. you know, in other places. I'm, I'm more familiar with The Dog That Didn't Bark. That's what yeah, I was thinking, was, too, yeah. The, there's a novel called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, 
mm-hmm. and then a play of the same name uh, at some at a later point. Um, there's also, of course, the Agatha Christie references where Tuvok gathers everyone. I know we're kind of yeah. jumping to the end, but Tuvok okay. gathers everyone to to reveal the 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 yeah, murderer. You get the, the stereotypical scene where all the all the suspects are there at the scene of the crime. Yep. Uh, so uh, we, let's go back to the to the beginning. There is a B plot in this, not much of one, but there's a B plot of, concerning the doctor and Kess, where the yeah. doctor's still trying to, you know, the, there's this discussion of the doctor getting a name. They were really big on this early on in the yeah. series, yep. and then dropped it, which I think is just well, as well. Thing. I prefer not the doctor not having a name than have some quest for a name that he then gets. Right, but there's there's this this discussion about how he's just a program. How could I choose something for myself? And and Cass points out, well, you choose things all the time. <laughs> yeah. You you as as a doctor. Um, and so he starts going through. I like this this part was he starts going through a list of names. He's like Doctor Galen, Doctor Salk, Doctor Cass interrupts him. Those are good. Spock. <laughs> so yeah. he says yeah. Doctor Spock, but, but you know, meaning which the I, pe- meaning the the uh, pediatric guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that which is I think is a funny um, uh, head nod to all the fans who get so angry at all the non fans who refer to Mister Spock as Doctor Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all the time. So I think I, th- I thought that was like a, a funny little reference there. But come on. Surely Spock, son of Surak, has a doctorate. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah exactly. Vulcan Science Academy. But one, one thing that they kind of do, though, is they, they hint at the idea of, you know, that the, the human mind is nothing more than a biological computer. And that's kind of right. what Kess hints at, that, well, yeah. all I'm doing when I make a decision is the memories that I have, the knowledge that I have, you know, and it's kind of hinting at that idea, that right. false idea that computers and the human brain work the same way, which, of course, they don't. Right. In fact, we don't really know how the human brain like really works how consciousness yeah, yeah. works but we uh, do know that it isn't a straightforward analog for a computer i right. mean that's we don't process inf- information the way computers do no we don't right which raises an interesting uh, discussion that we won't have here about mm-hmm. ai and the possibilities of conscious artificial consciousness uh but instead we will talk about uh the, the plot where uh harry kim returns to voyager on this shuttle without paris injured and the shuttle's damaged, and we we uh we're kind of told that there's this planet, the Bania, where they they have advanced technology that they that Voyager needs to repair the ship stuff stuff. Uh, they yep. they have a Maltese Falcon that Voyager needs. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a you know, a, and so <laughs> they uh they they um a MacGuffin. So the Voyager can't go there because there's a war between the this race called the Numeri and the Banians and yep. they the, the Voyager would be attacked if they tried to go there so they sent a shuttle because the shuttle is small and disposable I don't know Voyager it's, would be attacked maybe if they went there right but they send the shuttle on the idea that it's a less threatening thing and it may be able to get through their patrols easier than a big huge honking ship and of course you know tom paris is the ultimate super pilot and yes can avoid everything so yeah right he well he can do the kessel run in Le- less than <laughs> less than 12 light years yeah <laughs> parsecs parsecs, parsecs it's it's a measure of space time mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so, so uh, we have this extended sequence of harry kim uh having a flashback remembering the, meeting the murder victim tolan wren who's a physicist on Bania. Uh, the Benians all have feathers instead of instead of or in addition to hair because uh, they in addition have both yeah um and he's called Wren get it Tolan Wren feathers he's a bird anyway oh <laughs> well, I thought he was related to Kylo 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, he is one of the knights of Kylo Ren. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they they're helping fix a, a part in uh, Voyager because reasons, and then uh, they get invited to dinner at Tolan Ren's home and meet his wife, who's clearly unhappy with her husband. The very another stereotypical. Yeah. Um, May December marriage. She's much younger and unhappy. And and Tolan Wren seems like a really nice guy, and he's much more compassionate and and warm than his cold, distant, bored wife. Yes, yeah. it's again. This is like straight out of like the fifties. Like these these stories. You know, the, she's even the, smoking like the the big you know, c- the cigarette in the big holder. I mean, <laughs> right, right. So um, they they get served this meal, and so just after the meal is served, the wife gives her food to the dog and says, "Oh, well, the meat doesn't taste right." And then I'm like, um, "Okay, uh, so I guess dinner's over, and I'm not eating any more of this." Yeah, like, you serve er- this earlier. She offered them a drink, and they just like and leaves them to get their own drinks. And it's and it's like, dudes, you should be scanning that stuff. You have no idea <laughs> if it's compatible with your biology. Right, right. And at one point, she like before cooking. She throws the food, a piece of the food to the dog to make sure he'll eat it. That's how they determine if food is gone or something. On yeah, this it's like, don't try that with a terrestrial dog, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, um, and this dog looks like a terrestrial a dog just with a wild haircut. I mean, yeah, they did like, no that makeup on this on dog a, whatsoever. <laughs> a chihuahua that chewed on an electrical cord. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> zap. Um, and it is a chihuahua that they gave a funny haircut to. Right. Also, the city that we keep seeing cityscapes of on on Bahia or whatever yeah. the name of the planet is, is the same exact city we see in Angel One and the Samaritan Snare from Deep Space Nine uh, from Next Gen, and also the episode Dax from Deep Space Nine. So it's like, yeah, guys, can you invest in an in an extra another matte painting? Matte painting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the one of the things that was distracting to me is how. Like the Benians are aliens, and we see a few alien aspects of them, but they act like their culture, so many uh, aspects of their ethics, of their morality, of their marriage, like are so human. Like it's, yep. it's so, it's too much like human beings. Like even just this idea of like monogamous marriage and a May December romance. And uh, it, it just, it was a little distractingly too much like human, earth, human life uh, for me yeah. a little at times i had to really push to set that aside well and, it, and it, this and is not you know this is where you talk about where they're trying to make it look film noir i think they they basically just yeah. took like a typical film noir story and put aliens in it yeah, yeah. it's some well, alien elements and i'm and just fine with change that. nothing else but yeah so uh kim tells us that dolan uh, ren died the next day never saw tom again and you know and then kim was questioned for two days they have lightning fast trials on this planet apparently yeah <laughs> yes yes uh so jadeway decides okay well uh, we gotta go get tom back so they take voyager to bania and yeah, they have to take the ship through the numeri patrols which she didn't want to do last time neelix has this big thing about oh the numeri they're they're very you know aggressive and dangerous and they'll they'll attack you just to show you that they can do so and and the numeri's like hey uh where are you going all right well see you later and of course, that's part of the plot, but uh, but yeah. it's, it seems very strange to them. Um, the the greeting is downright friendly. In, in, yeah, as, yeah, as that was says. that was kind of an interesting contrast because this is a point where Neelix was acting very concerned, and Janeway's like, "What's with you?" 
she was almost kind of blowing off his concern as because you know that was very out of character for neelix going uh there's something not right here and she's like well it seemed okay to me okay well the first time it happens it's not as um it's not as obvious i mean the the numeri guy they talked to on the phone is um stern but reasonable I yeah, mean, right. he doesn't, he's not buddy buddy with them. But since he, the, once they make it clear they're not combatants, they're not here to help the people on the planet. They're just here to get some supplies and to deal with their crew member situation. He's like, okay, but watch yourself. Right. And right. so they're oddly reasonable. Yeah. So Tuvok, as security chief, is put in command of the, their investigation. Uh, he's the detective Sherlock Tuvok. Shervok. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so he sees Paris, and I love his, like, very blunt, so did you do something with the wife? Like, what, what happened with the wife? Like, he's very, like, blunt what, about yeah. it. Uh, Paris does admit that he was flirting with Tolan's wife, Liddell, which he has to admit it because nobody would believe him otherwise. Um, his memory of their conversation is, like, something... Uh, now, this is, like, something out of a bad film noir movie. Her eyes were a million kilometers away, staring at stars I'd just flown by the day before. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, that was that was a little heavy there. Yeah. Come on. I mean that was that was like a bad film noir. Um, also we have one of the few smoking scenes in Star Trek where Paris in his flashback comes into where she's sitting after she's left the dinner and she's yes. smoking a cigar and he disses her smoking the cigar. He says, Oh, my people gave it up because we realized it was killing us. And it's like, okay, one, how un-Starfleet of you to pass <laughs> judgment casually on someone else's culture. Number two, you have no idea what the effects of this on her race are. I mean, right. presumably that is not tobacco and her lungs don't work exactly like a human. What yeah. I wanted her to do is say, well, oh, I'm so glad your people discovered that. Here on my planet, we evolved to do this. This is a necessary form of inhalation therapy to cure, to cure fatal diseases. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Right, right. The, this is an entirely b- benign uh, nutrient this, uh, accession. Uh, this is a, this uh, is a medical a medical procedure that I I need to do at least once a day. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. It's a it's a completely innocuous plant or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So Paris relives the crime and then passes out, which is not an expected outcome. And uh, gee, why would that happen when you impose? Uh, biological text specific to your species onto an alien. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like uh, you'd kind of expect this to happen. So Janeway, Janeway convinces them to let her beam up with Paris and Tuvok, and then they fly away from the planet because what are the Beniens going to do? Oh no! Wait, no, we have to stick around yep. and prove his innocence on an alien planet that no one from the Federation will ever visit again because reasons. <laughs> like because they, they, they still need the widget. They still need the widget for their ship. I suppose. And also principles and also these people have advanced tech. And if you just run off, they might retaliate or send a message to their friends down the line that you may need to (sighs) deal with. So Mm -hmm. hanging out and trying to prove his innocence for a while, you know, it seems reasonable to me. And not to mention, not to mention honor of Starfleet and all that. You're, I mean, you're, you're you're on the other side of the galaxy. You're never coming back here. But uh, yeah, okay. but eventually you're going to have contact, and you want Starfleet to have a good rep. I mean, who, what do you think you are, the Equinox? <laughs> exactly. I was just thinking the well, same thing. <laughs> there's still seventy thousand light years away. Starfleet's not coming back this way for several centuries. I think they'll forget about it. Hopefully, but maybe they won't. All right, all right. 
So the, the <laughs> they they determine that the the punishment is probably causing permanent brain damage, um, and that this is not the intended like it's not supposed to be this kind of harmful, physically harmful. Um, and, and, and the here two, the Benians are surprisingly reasonable. They're open to the idea. They say we'll need to check it out with our courts, but we're open to the idea of taking the implants out of him that are making him relive the memories. But he may get an alternative sentence you don't like any better. Right. Yep. Hinting, is that hinting at death, punish, death yes. penalty? Yeah. Yes. Because they're, they're, before they had this technology, Tuvok tells us it was lethal injection. Yep. Okay. So then we fly away if they're going to kill Tom, right? They haven't. <laughs> I don't know. We never ha- <laughs> In Star Trek, we never have to answer that question. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Tuvok wants to use the futuristic lie detector on Paris, and uh, then he goes to question Liddell. The dog growls, and she says, he doesn't like strangers. A clue. Oh. And then uh, the, the, um, she, tells, she, she says that her husband, she told her husband that she wanted to leave him because she was attracted to Tom, even though Tom, she knew Tom for a day and he was leaving tomorrow. But, oh, you know. it, there's, a, there's a neat bit in one of the, in one of the flashbacks where he and, and Liddell, Tom and Liddell have gotten like caught in the rain and. She's being all romantic with him, and he's kind of resisting, and he says, our timing is off. And she says, you'll be gone in a few days. This is the only time we've got. And it's such a film noir line. (laughs) Right. Well, And she's not acting much like a woman who just left her husband in that scene either, but uh, I suppose. Uh, Tom says, yeah, that all happened just as she, she remembers it, right up to when he went to drink the tea with her. And then he has no memory after that, which, yeah. bum, 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 a clue. Yeah, he admitted <laughs> drinking the tea. Then he says he fell asleep and woke up in the cell. And the lie detector says he's telling the truth. So uh, now then there's a sudden unprovoked attack on Voyager by the Numiri. And uh, Chakotay has a maquis trick to get them out of the attack to save them, which seemed a bit not much of a trick at all. <laughs> but you know, Basically, they look like, like they're wounded. And then when they get too close, disable them. Or yeah. you could have just let them get too close and disable them. Like, yeah. if just shooting the, them works, then just e- shoot them. Even Janeway hangs a lantern on how lame this trick is and says <laughs> it's like one of the oldest tricks in the book. And then Chakotay has this stupid line about, well, in the <laughs> Delta Quadrant, every old trick is new again. It's like, oh, so you know that the people in the Delta Quadrant have never had the kind of conflicts that we had in the Alpha Quadrant that drove them to develop such tricks. Yeah. <laughs> the, the wounded animal trick, right. Or they, they, uh, they didn't figure out those tricks on their own. Right, right. So uh, Tuvok decides he needs to do mind meld with Paris so he can see the crime for himself. This is a key plot point. Why can't they just read it off the hard drives of of the uh, that are that Tom has in his head now? Because they've implanted Tom with devices apparently that cause yeah. this, or they right. have it on technology down on the planet. It's like as part of right. our um, as part of our discovery phase of this investigation. I like to subpoena those files, right, right, or just give us access to see it for ourselves or something. Yeah. Right. But but of course if they watched the files that were on storage on Benia, they wouldn't see the writing at the bottom that reveals that this is all uh a uh spy mm. using Tom as a thumb drive spy trick. Mm-hmm. Um so uh Tuvok says that uh then says that Professor Wren's research will explain not only why Paris was accused of a crime he didn't commit, but why the Numiri attacked the Voyager. Bum 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 so we of course he doesn't tell us, he has to wait for the big reveal. 
Janeway sets up the trap by telling the Benians that she's sending Tom Paris back by a shuttlecraft in exactly one hour. No more, yep. no less. The Numeri show up and attack the shuttle, tractor it on board, and as soon as they identify Tom Paris, this is the one we're looking for, Voyager beams them out. This is a huge risk that Tom yep. and Harry yep. are taking here. Yep. Uh, they they could have been blasted out of, into space if they, if, they, if they were wrong. They could have been not able to beam them back. There's all kinds of ways. They could have just shot Harry and said, we don't need this guy, so let's just take this one. Uh, so it was a huge risk. Uh, but uh, Janeway then says to get the shuttle back from the Lumiri, she she claims that there's 40 tons of explosive on it. 40 tons. Yeah. Not, I mean, it must be really dense explosive. And yes, yes. Actually, I, you you can make an atom bomb for, you know, <laughs> like uh, 20 pounds, 50 pounds. <laughs> right. It's like the, it's typical Voyager overdoing it. Like, yeah. just say this, this, that we have 20 pounds of this incredibly explosive device. Like, are you carrying around 40 tons of this well, explosive on this, Voyager? This this thing is run, this shuttle has engines that are run by antimatter. You yeah. know how to make an antimatter bomb, right? You get antimatter in a magnetic <laughs> bottle. Step two, turn off the magnetic bottle. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, it's, it's just, it seems unnecessarily, like, large number. Yeah, I mean, like, literally all they would have had to have said was, our shuttle has a self-destruct device. If it is activated, your ship will be destroyed. If you do so not release our shuttle, we will activate right. it. Done. Return our shuttle or we'll blow you up with the shuttle self-destruct device. The, yeah, done. So, yeah, it's typical Voyager because, frankly, I'm not sure why she wanted the shuttle back. They can apparently make them in the shuttle bay, you know, a dozen at a time. <laughs> we have a limited number of shuttlecraft now that we're here in the Delta Quadrant. We have to use them wisely. That's right. And torpedoes, sure. too. And torpedoes. 350 of each. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so Tuvok gathers them all, Agatha Christie style, Hercule Perot in the, uh, at the scene of the crime in the living room of uh, Tolan Wren's house, and he points out that uh, w in Paris's memory, as recorded by the uh, Benian court system, he was shorter than he really is. He has her stand next to Liddell, he's taller. In the memory, he's shorter. How can that be? Uh, they say that, but the actors actually look indistinguishably the same height to me. Really? No, Liddell yeah. was like a head shorter. Well, no, when you when you take into account the uh, the hair that they're wearing, I mean, one of them looks shorter if you judge by hairline. But if you look at the type at the height of the hair, the guy playing uh, the scientist looks to me to be as tall as Tom Paris. I mean, really? No. Oh. That I mean, okay. that was my impression anyway, and I, obviously I was looking for, is he really yeah. shorter? And it's like, I don't think, not, I mean, maybe a little, but not much. Okay. If you go onto the Memory Alpha site, they've got the pictures of the three of them. The image from the actual uh, footage, the uh, recording that Tom sees, and then Tom standing next to her, and then the, the doctor, the, the scientist next to her. And you can You're see right, that Jimmy. there's a yeah. difference. Like the top of her hair is about eye level for Tom Paris. She's half a head. Yeah, mm. I mean, I could see where it is. It is pretty close, though. You're right. It is a f fairly close in 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 height. It's it's not a dramatic difference, but no. I suppose for the Vulcan, it's a it's a big deal. Mm. Um, but he also he says the killer also knew exactly where to stab Tolan Ren to hit him in the uh, Benian heart. Uh, so which is that, not where our heart is. 
right. yes, it's somewhere around the liver, I think, or, or the kidney. Yeah. Uh, so that that's actually interesting because Tom is said to have killed in the in the heat of passion, not having studied Benin physiology at a time apparently. Uh, and then the the big reveal is the alien writing we keep seeing on Tom's memory of the event was not part of the punishment procedure, but were Ren's equations for something, <laughs> for whatever research he was doing that is significant to the defense technology, apparently. Yep. And these these were an, a, an elaborate attempt to deliver them to the Numiri, a very over overly elaborate uh, mm-hmm. attempt to, based on a, a chance arrival of some aliens uh, to the to the planet. Yeah. Now, what Captain Janeway should have said after this is all revealed and after we're all buddies again is, um, you know, your intelligence service might be interested in a technique we have on Earth called steganography. It's way more subtle than that if you want to hide Im- information in images. And maybe we can arrange a cultural exchange. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Exchange. Uh, spy technology. Uh, and then we have the whole thing with the dog. You know, the dog uh, doesn't bark at uh, the Benian doctor, uh, who doctor who, who doctor. You know, now as I look at this though, I'm thinking this is going to completely upend the Benian justice system because if these memories can be tampered with, then they're no yep. longer admissible as evidence in court, right? Well, you would think that, except we have exactly this problem on Earth. You have labs that tamper with evidence and get, I mean, it happens here too. And that doesn't mean that we say, okay, just because fingerprints or DNA aren't 100% reliable, we chuck them out. Yeah, I guess what you'd have to do is come up with a way of of detecting tampering. That's probably the the thing is when, when, how how can you tell what a memory, because this is an entirely falsified memory, like, you know, that, that. Tom is completely replaced in this memory file, or or uh, the doctor is replacing this memory file with Tom. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have to figure the, out some way to to detect that. The, yeah, the problem is, I mean, apparently it's the guys who were involved in the memory extraction that tampered with it, or at least the memory right. reimplantation. So it's the yeah. memory guys you got to watch. It's like watching the lab techs at an FBI lab to make sure they're not messing with the evidence they're handling it properly right right so uh because because i mean if 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 they want if let's say they're running a dna test on you they can smear your dna on the glove and say oh and we found his dna on the glove so it's that's the critical failure point you have to watch to prevent this kind of thing right so then we have uh the so the dog reveals you know by because it's friendly to the doctor it's it's uh it, the doctor then admits that he's guilty, um, which is very uh, convenient to, <laughs> to for the criminal to admit their guilt uh, when they're caught. And then uh, we have a scene of Tom encountering Tuvok in the mess hall, uh, basically saying, "You know, you got a friend in me, no matter whether yep. you think I am or not, and I owe you one." Um, and we kind of settle things out. That's that's how it ends. One of the things I want to point out is Jerry Taylor, who is on the production team. She was one of the producers. Um, not not the same as Jerry Ryan, who is seven of nine. Right, right, right. Jerry, Jerry Taylor. Uh, she thought this ep- She didn't like this episode because she thought it marred the character of Tom Paris into this womanizing cad that they originally had planned him to be and then changed, uh, you know, at, at the beginning of his, his time. But they, they, she feels like this this episode kind of carried that too much. Like this idea of this guy who would interfere in someone else's marriage and 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 take up with someone else's wife 
And she didn't like that uh, way of, of of dealing with Tom. Well, she, from what I read, she didn't like that it was the only thing they were doing with Tom at this mm. point. He was becoming one right. note. Right. And okay. he does resist. I mean, he is tempted and flirting with her, but they never actually, you know, get together. And he does resist her when she's coming on to him. Right, right. But they'd already kind of shown him as, as kind of like you said, a cat, you know, like the uh, uh, the holographic pool hall that he goes to. He's always got a woman on an arm and stuff like that. And trying mm. to get Harry to hook up with the Delaney sisters with him and all that yep. sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that at least anyway, that they, they got away from that yeah. one note on Tom H- Paris. Hook up in the 50-year-old sense of the term, not necessarily the teenage oh, sense yes. of the term these yep. days. Sorry. Yes, I'm I'm an old person. I use the term differently. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, so, uh, so, and then you know the other thing I I, I want to point out is just like I kind of like seeing uh, Tuvok. Meanwhile, getting to be the problem solving detective, who uses his prodigious Vulcanologic skills right. to solve crimes. I thought that was kind of fun. Although he's have- obviously the ultimate introvert because he prefers to sit and read a book while he's eating than actually talk to people. Oh, that he is one of my people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, any uh, last thoughts on this episode for for either of you? Nothing here uh, on this. Not for me. Pretty straightforward. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, uh, the, we close the book on the film noir episode, uh, and we'll. Is that a deliberately mixed metaphor? It is. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm mixing up some metaphors here today. Uh, putting in a martini glass. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including this time Jack B, Patricia V. Michael A, Eric M, and Mario L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show every week. So that's it from us. What do you think of this Voyager episode ex post facto? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll have a special episode. We're going to be discussing the short treks from season two of the short treks uh, from CBS All Access. We've been talking about these as they've come out and making those available, those discussions available to our patrons right away. Uh, and But we're going to bundle all those up and give those to you after the last of those short treks is out and as a as a final episode, uh, a, a gathering up of those for you. Um, if you'd like to get access to special episodes of Secrets of Star Trek and our other shows uh, that we make available, you could I would check out uh, becoming a patron. Go to sqpn.com slash give and become a patron and you get access to extra cool stuff. So until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, there are some who'd say you risk my future on the eyewitness identification of a dog. <laughs>